everyone, and welcome back to Dungeons and Flagons. I'm Sean, your dungeon master. I'm Jess, your dungeon cat. I'm JD, your dungeon cleric, I hope. <laughs> and I'm TJ, your dungeon gnome. So, last time on Dungeons and Flagons, our heroes surveyed the aftermath of the ambush at the bridge. As Blair buried the bodies of the reanimated drow, Locrian discovered a strange amulet consisting of a scythe and skull on the body of Aragog Oromar. The Knights of Bart then sent their horses down the road and began to trek through the woodlands in the hope of avoiding any further encounters. However, this was not to be. After a failed stealth check, Locrian was spotted by Mikhail Van Gezorgian, who was in pursuit of our heroes. The two had a brief discussion on the merits of rebellion when the Knights of Bart attacked and were all knocked unconscious by the sorcerer's powers of the rebel leader. We rejoin Asla, Locrian, and Jimmy as they lie on the cold earth. Will everybody please roll me a death saving throw? Uh. Oh. <laughs> oh, 17. Two, okay. Uh, D20. Nope, it's D20. Uh, five. So, Jimmy and Asla, please mark one fail. Locrian, you can mark one success. Uh, why does the success hurt more? Asla. Yes. The last thing you remember was Mikhail casting a bolt of orange-blue lightning that passed straight through Jimmy and Locrian and was arcing towards your chest. Then there was a blinding flash of light, and as that light fades, you find yourself back in the untamed veld, the great green grassland that stretches across the center of Kuros, the wild realm of no master. In front of you, is a sight that you have not seen in years. The great baobab tree beneath which your pride made its home. Oh, home. What do you want to do? Wow. I mean, I am overcome with nostalgia. I smell it. I taste it. Um. You do, um... You sniff the air, and it's the dry heat of the grasslands, and you can hear cicadas um, thrumming in the distance. Do am am I an elf? I'm yep. a, I'm in my normal form. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Wow. Can I do some kind of investigative investigation? Yeah. Um. Give me a perception check. Oh, dirty twenty-five. Ooh. Okay. What you got for me? Well, um. First and foremost, you see that there is a pride of lions in the baobab tree and underneath it. And as you look closer, you see that it's your pride. There's young... Family? Yep, yep. There's young Tezuko, your brother. He's Mm -hmm. tossing in the dirt with someone. And there are your sisters, Panja and Klasha. They're lounging in the shade. And there's your mother, Amiga, who's standing, sniffing the air, with her eyes focused on a point in the distance behind you. And as you turn to follow her gaze, you see a human man approaching them. Do I recognize him? Um, well, with a with 25, um, <laughs> you can tell uh, that he's wearing fine traveling clothes. And he seems to be like a tall human, like very broad chested, like a real uh, a prime specimen of the human form. And he's wearing these rich traveling clothes that you can tell now are wealthy silks. And they're all in black and red. And as he gets closer to the tree you can see the hackles raise on the back of your mother's neck. Oh, wow. What do you want to do? I want to know if, the, is this a memory? Can they, they 
can't see me, I assume. They haven't seen you from everything you can tell right now. So am I part of it? Am I actually there? What does your heart tell you? (laughs) Well, it's obviously a memory because they're all dead. I want to know who the guy is. He's getting closer. And you can see he moves with a, a confidence. He's he's very secure in himself, approaching a pride of lions in the middle of the untamed belt. Uh, he's wearing black and red, and he has a big black beard. And he appears unarmed and without bodyguard of any kind. You hear a voice say, Do you remember this day, Asla? This is the day your family died. (gasps) And standing next to you, to your left, you see what would look like a tall, naked, wood elf woman. Except for the fact that her skin is a dark green and patterned like leaves. Her hair is long and seems to float in the breeze, although you don't feel any wind. And she turns to look at you, and her eyes stand stark like flames in a winter night. And she says, again, this is the day that your family died, and you began your journey. Do you remember what happened on that day? I don't want to. She turns and looks at the proceedings and says... You should. What do you do? I... I feel um, now that this is like a long... far away, somewhat um, unreal feeling... I know that this is a memory I have blocked out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know who that woman is talking to me, but I have I can assume things <laughs> like <laughs> like maybe she's my actual mother. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe she's not. Um. But um, I think I just need to sort of watch what happens. I feel like I'm watching a memory that I've blocked out, and maybe it's important to know what happened. Okay. Um, The leaf elf uh, holds out her hand to you. Do you take it? Yeah. You grasp her hand, and then the two of you are suddenly standing next to Miga, your mother lion. Mm-hmm. And you see uh, Panja and Klaja perk up and look at the stranger who's approaching. And you see Tezuko stop wrestling with you. And there's you. You're looking mm-hmm. at yourself as a younger wood elf, stark naked. And from the trees... You see your father, Kajureno, jump down and land on the earth. The leafy wood elf turns to you again and says, Do you remember what he told you on this day? No. Uh, She turns back and you see Kajureno give a quick growl of command. And... You don't understand it this time. You remember that when you were a child and you were speaking with your family, like you understood what everyone was saying. It was the simplest thing. It was, you're just talking to one another. But this time there's just a growl coming out of his mouth and you give a quick like growl in return. And then there's a shorter growl coming from your father and you proceed to climb up the tree 
hiding away in the branches where you are unseen? No. Uh, she turns back, and you see Kajureno give a quick growl of command, and you don't understand it this time. You remember that when you were a child and you were speaking with your family, like you understood what everyone was saying. It was the simplest thing. It was you're just talking to one another, but this time. There's just a growl coming out of his mouth, and you give a quick, like, growl in return. And then there's a shorter growl coming from your father, and you proceed to climb up the tree, hiding away in the branches where you are unseen. Rich and vast, full of life. Everyone can see that the Velt has prospered under your rule. But beneath the earth are precious minerals and resources. You have no need of these stones below. You are rulers of the land above. I would ask your permission to mine these stones. And you hear your mother, Miga, say, We've seen these mines before. They tear up the land, poison the air and water. They are not fit to live near. And the stranger replies, I assure you, the environmental impact will be negligible. Surely the mighty rulers of the untamed veld do not fear a simple hole in the earth. And Kajureno takes a step towards this man and says, We do not rule here. We are part of the cycle. Anyone who would seek to control the untamed veld has quite a lesson coming to them. The answer is no. You may not mine these lands. And the stranger takes another bow and says, I thank you for your candor. And he turns and walks away. And then he stops and turns around again. And you catch this whiff of him. You smell smoke and blood and flame. And you see a grin come across his face. And he looks at Kajureno and says, By the way, how many wood elves would you say are in these lands? And Kaju Reno says, there are none. And then he, the stranger, gives a little laugh and continues to walk away. And then the leaf elf turns to you again, and you see that her leaves are starting to change. They're getting more orange and yellow and red. And she says, you remember what happened this night. You see it in your dreams often. I see my family get slaughtered. She nods. And she says, do you know why that was? No. She turns and looks at the receding figure of the stranger walking away. Do you know who that is? No. Who? You've met him before. On a different continent. Years from now, in a small keep, you and your friends went out to steal something from him. It's goddamn Baron Blackburn. The leaf elf nods, and you see that more and more of her leaves are starting to turn color. 
She's like the, she's a spirit of this season. I am a spirit of all seasons. My bones are the very mountains. My blood, the streams and oceans. My heart beats in every living creature on this world. My heart beats in your chest, Asla. Do you know my name? Mother Earth. That's one of them. Um, Gaia. Another. <laughs> it's Melora. I'm Melora. <laughs> I was waiting for Debbie. <laughs> Deb? Is that you? Is that you in there? Uh, Jesus, I'm not good at this stuff. <laughs> her, her leaves begin to blow away in this unearthly breeze that you can't feel. Oh, Laura, no! And she says to you, he is the destroyer. Let's fucking kill him then. Why did he destroy my family? Greed. Avarice. Why, what did he gain from killing the Pride of Lions? A marginal increase on the stock revenue. As I said, he is the destroyer. Why did he want to know about the Wood Elves? And you see more and more leaves are starting to blow away. And Melora seems to be getting kind of fuzzy, like not all there. And you hear her say, help me as la, help me. And then you are face to face with a seagull and the eyes of a drow. And you hear, oh, 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 oh. and Blair is looking right into your eyes. And you see that he has a potion bottle up to your lips. And as you regain consciousness, he throws it away and looking straight into your face says, how many more spells do you have? Uh, how many more spells do you have? I don't know. I think I used them all. What? Oh, shit. Uh, uh, I was in pretty bad shape. Uh, okay. Why? What do you need? And he looks up and you see in front of you the bodies of Jimmy and Locrian. And <laughs> Mikhail and the horse he rode in on are nowhere in sight. That ass wipe. Um, okay, I really think I've used all my spells. Uh, okay, well, I have one more healing potion. Uh, maybe Loki has one, too? Uh, Locrian and Jimmy, give me death saving throws. Ooh, three. Nineteen. Locrian, mark a fail. Jimmy, yeah. mark a save. Uh, Locrian. The last thing that you remember after being struck by that lightning bolt was the rays of the sun glinting through the can forest canopy overhead as you lay on your back on the forest floor. And as your vision faded, you could just hear Blair's voice in the distance saying, all right, all right, we can work this out. And then there was nothing. But now um, you feel warm. You feel the earth is soft beneath you. And you feel a gentle radiance on your closed eyes. What do you do? Um, well, I think Logan would definitely take a second 
just collect himself and then open his eyes. Okay. Um, you are looking up into a clear sky, not a tree in sight. There are a few clouds overhead, small tufts, and it appears to be early morning. And just in the edge of your vision, you can see some wheat blowing gently in the breeze. Uh, I stand up and I yell for Jimmy and Asla. Uh, you stand up. You are in the middle of a field, which appears to have been partially harvested. Um, there's a good amount of wheat that is still up and glistening in the early morning sun. But there are a few rows that appear to have been cleared out. Your friends are nowhere in sight. But in front of you, uh, there is a scythe lying on the ground. Okay. Oh, fuck. All right. Um, I'm definitely going to walk over to the scythe. Mm -hmm. Do I still have that amulet that I took on me? Uh, you look down to search your person, but you see that you're not wearing any of your gear. You are just wearing a simple shirt and pants, and there are some mud-caked boots on your feet. Okay. It's similar uh, to what you were wearing when you got to El Rado. Okay. Um, so, Logren walks over to the side and kind of like searches all around to see if he can see who might have left it. Okay. Uh, give me a perception check. Twelve. Okay. Um, you don't see anyone, but you can hear the sound of scything, of someone harvesting grain. Okay. Uh, I'm going to run to the sound. Okay. Uh, you run through the fields of wheat and following a, a path of, uh, it looks like someone has cleared out and harvested the grain. And you come across a dark-skinned man who is continuing to scythe through the grain. Um... Okay, I run up and I say, have you seen a gnome or an elf around? Uh, the man turns around to look at you uh, and he seems rather unremarkable. Um, he's pretty tall and broad-shouldered. Um, he looks rather strong, like he's been farming every day of his life. Uh, but he looks you over uh, and says, Nope. Haven't seen anybody. Where are we? He looks around and says, Looks like my field. Have you seen or heard anyone lately around here? Well, guess things aren't as busy as they used to be. Used to be a lot of people coming through here, but it is a bit quieter now. And he continues to scythe. Right. As quaint and lovely as this is, I need to find my friends. And I need to get this harvested. You want to help? And he points, and there's that same scythe that you left like, way where you started running on the ground next to him. Creepy. All right. Buckman um, says, if I help, can you tell me how to get out of here and find my friends? Uh, he continues to work um, and doesn't seem to be paying too much attention to you, but you hear him say, you start working, I think you'll find your own way out. All right. So... 
very slowly Locrian go pick up. Sorry. Okay. Um, as you lift it up, you see underneath a heart, black and blue and shriveled, lying there in the dust. Oh God! Um, uh, <laughs> so I, I want to, I want to look to see if he has noticed that there's a heart here in the middle of his field, and if it has affected him in any. Uh, give me an insight check. Fifteen. Okay. Uh, he doesn't seem to have noticed. His eyes are focused on his work. Okay. Um, I want to hold the scythe in a kind of defensive way. And I want to ask him where the hell I am and why there's a heart here. Um, you do so. And he turns around and he gives you a cool appraisal and says, well, most folks just come here with what they bring with them. Do you know whose this is? I do. Do you have any intention of telling me? Well, that'd be cheating. What I can say is, weeds like this, they're hard to stamp out. Uh, and he reaches down, and he picks up the heart. And he looks at it, and you see it pulse in his hands, just once. And then it begins to glow with a shining radiance. And the man holds his hand up, and these little motes of light just float away into the air. And then the man looks at you and says, What are you doing, Logrian? I honestly don't know. Well, that's fair. That's a lot of folks. The only thing I know for certain is I have to get back to my friends. Yeah, I know. And you see him smile a little bit at that. And he says, before you go, I want to ask you something, Locrian Cambiata. Lucrian's very shook by that. <laughs> what do you think Pelor wants out of folks? Right now I'm wondering if Pelor wants us to suffer. Uh, you see a sad expression cross his face. And he says, Well... I guess that comes with the territory, too. You ever wonder why folks just seem to latch on to the easy things? Desperation? Yeah, maybe. But look around you. You got all this wheat. And it's there. And it's ripe for the taking. But you got to work for it. You got to grab your scythe and cut it down. And then you throw your stalks on your blanket. You, you shake them out. You get the seeds. You take the seeds. You grind them into flour. And then you take the flour. Mix that up. Yeast and water. You get dough. And then you got to put that in an oven. And then after all that work... You sit down at the table with a loaf of bread. 
And a lot of folks, they they see the bread and that's that, but they always forget all the work that goes into it. Are you ready to do good work? Uh, Locrian looks down at the scythe he's holding. Says, that's all I've ever wanted to do. The man uh, gives a nod of his head. And he says, there's likely going to be a lot of that in store for you. Locrian, whatever you call yourself, Locrian Cambiata, Locrian of Alredo. Well, you haven't gotten to the, the next one yet, but you'll get there soon enough. <laughs> I want you to know it's a hard path, but it's worth it. Because at the end of the road, you've got a loaf of bread that you can share with your friends and make sure that they aren't going hungry. And he reaches out with a big smile on his face and he places a hand on your shoulder And then you open your eyes, and there's Asla with her hand on your shoulder, casting Healing Touch. Because you did have more spell slots left. <laughs> you had two second level spell slots you just didn't use. Oh, I forgot about <laughs> Oh, I forgot about spells. <laughs> I had some second levels to use. <laughs> What do you say to Loki? Loki, I almost couldn't save you because I'm too dumb. <laughs> but it's okay. We got you back, buddy. It's okay. We've got sourdough coming. Uh, Stare off into the distance. <laughs> good. Good. Um, I'm hungry. So. Jimmy, you remember taking a point blank blast of lightning from Mikhail. And while you've been hit by lightning before, this one felt <laughs> worse. Um, you were knocked out. Straight out cold. Right. And as, as you come to, you feel odd. Like you're not in pain and you're not cold or wet and you don't feel the forced floor or the weight of your sword in your hand. You really don't feel anything. What do you do? Well, I, uh, I, I, I check to see if I'm in a bath. Um, you open your eyes and you're laying on the forced floor. But as you look around, you see that everything is in black and white, grayscale. Okay. All right. I rub my eyes. <laughs> um, Woken up you weirder. rub your eye. And you look down and you see you lying on the forest floor with a giant smoking impact crater in your chest. Oh, I hope I'm able to walk that off. <laughs> um, and then, uh, give me a perception check. Uh, that's a 15. Okay. Um, you hear three voices that seem to be arguing over something. Um, turning around, you see... A giant human man, shirtless, with a huge beard, carrying a spear of frozen lightning. His head is at about the same height as the tree branches, and he seems to be arguing with a golden chipmunk that's standing on a tree branch, and a raven that is perched next to it. 
I have something for this. <laughs> um, the giant uh, is saying in this booming voice, I touched him. He is touched. He is mine. And then the golden chipmunk uh, is standing on its hind legs and has its front paws at its waist, tapping its foot. And it says, uh, I believe you'll find that he belongs in my dominion. Of course, if you'd uh, like to make a wager over where he goes. And then the raven uh, says, he is agnostic. If he doesn't believe in either of you, you know where he goes. Jersey? <laughs> and then uh, you feel a tug in the small of your back, and you feel yourself being pulled backwards at tremendous speed. The, the entire world around you turns into a blur until suddenly there is a flash of light that blinds you, uh, and there's all this noise all around you, and you feel this tremendous pain in your butt. Hey, cut this And joke. then you hear a voice um, that doesn't seem to be attached to anything say, Oh no, far too far. And then there is that sense of movement again, and you're at your seventh birthday. What was that like? Oh, seven? Seven, let's see. At seven... Seven, I was running my own gang of street thugs and selling papers as a front. So the birthday party, there was naturally a couple of kegs, some dancing <laughs> ladies, you know. But it was it was at the it was at the um the dancing club. Oh, what the hell is the name of the dancing club that my mother worked at? <laughs> so um, you are. Seated at a table in the middle of this club, uh, and all of your fellow newsies are around you, and they're all like raucously yelling and slapping you on the back and throwing you beers. Yeah. Uh, and there's a pile of newspapers on the table, undelivered. <laughs> uh, what was uh, the date? When's your birthday? Oh, shit. Uh, wasn't it? Isn't it May twenty fifth? Okay, uh, May twenty fifth, eight twenty five. Yeah. Uh, and you look around, and everyone is having a great time, and then there's that blur again, uh, and you are older, um, probably mid thirties now. You're still a very young gnome. But you're doing your first job for the Casa Nomstra. Oh, yeah. What was that? Oh, that that one was really simple. It was just to quickly boost the uh, the the horse tranquilizers from the racetrack. Okay. Uh, so are you? You are um, crouching in the stables. Uh, with this big medicine bag underneath your arm. And in the distance, you can hear the announcer at the racetrack saying, And now, for the 37th annual racing of the Shetland Ponies. In this year, 800. And then there's that blur again. Uh, and you are in the hold of a ship, chained and manacled. Where that, where'd you find chains small enough? <laughs> and there's that another blur. And you are being led into a prison work camp in Acadia. And on the banners that mark the guard towers, you can see the Blackburn insignia. And you are being led into sort of the main processing unit for new prisoners who are brought to Acadia to work in the mines. 
And there is a kobold wearing a blue jacket, like a military uniform, who is walking down the line and giving each of the prisoners a number. What's your number? Six and a half. (laughs) Then there is more speeding forward. And you are working in the mines. Um, you see a few of the fellows on your chain gang uh, moving past you. Uh, they are getting out of the way of a big mine cart full of magical minerals that are being trundled back to the surface. I don't believe in that shit. <laughs> and as you continue uh, digging, your pickaxe seems to strike through the rock wall. And you see an opening behind it. Hmm. What do you do? I look around. Poke my head through. You see um, an underground cavern. Uh, There are stalactites hanging from the ceiling and water pooling on the floor of the cavern. Uh, But you can see that far above there's a shaft of daylight. Hmm. I I, I make note of it. Pull my head back. You flash forward again, and you are in the middle of your escape. Uh, You can hear uh, from back in the mine uh, the sound of the diamond dogs chasing after you, but you are clawing your way up the rock face towards that hole where you saw the sunlight poking through, except this time it's night and you can see stars above you. And you climb and climb and climb, and just as you feel your arm giving out, you feel a tuft of grass. And you pull yourself upwards, and you find yourself on top of a small grassy hill. You are cold and alone, and the only things you have on you are the manacles and chains that still bind you. But you are lying on the ground a free gnome. That Andy Dufresne was full of shit. And you look up at the stars of this strange new continent. And your vision freezes. And almost like a telescope lens sliding into place, your vision focuses on a small area. Of the night sky. You recognize it as the constellation of the Manticore. But you hear a voice say, There is the Griffin. Where is Barnard's chariot? It should be here. Where? And then your vision snaps to the right, and you see a small, dull red star. And you hear that voice say, No. No, no, with that lateral proper motion, it's been... By the gods. And then you feel another rush. Give me a death saving throw. <laughs> That would be an 18. Okay. That's another pass. Locrian Asla, you're standing above Jimmy's body. What are you doing? Um, I have no spells, so I can't heal at all. We could mug him again, or we could... I think you have another spell, correct? I think I could heal him. We, we need to help him. Okay, I want to cradle him. 
you cradle them and I'll do my second layer, second layer, second <laughs> two layer, layer dip healing. Okay. Cause I have one more. Uh, yeah. Uh, I won't make you roll for how much you heal him, but you're just getting it back up. Um, Jimmy, you spring back to life. Oh, oh. It's okay, buddy. May change my name from Jimmy the Goat to Jimmy Chumbawamba. Right <laughs> <laughs> oh. God damn. Guys, I could go for a party. Like cake and newspapers and beer. Uh, let's let's <sighs> maybe, maybe later. I, I kiss your forehead. <laughs> Put oh, you down. Right, I need an adult. Um, so yeah the three of you are laying on the forest floor in that same kind of clearing where you fought Mikhail he is nowhere to be seen Uh, and uh, Blair is kind of pacing around nervously uh, with his hand at his mouth deep in thought Blair, where did he go? Wait, wait, wait. Blair? What the fuck happened? Uh, well, uh, you guys went down, and, um, I I basically threw up my hands and surrender, uh, to make sure that we could get you guys up again, and... Damned sorcerer, dude. Uh, he, um, I gave him the bag in exchange for him leaving the three of you so I could get you back up. He said it was honorable combat and he would not strike you when you were down. You gave him the bag. Yeah. Yeah. Where did he go? Wait. We have to go. Whoa. Well, first off, you guys, we all need a rest. We all need to rest right now. And I think he does too. So I think we, we might have a little window of time. I'm making my poopy face at him. Uh, well, I um, I gave him the bag, but but I slipped my Rocky Talkie in it. Okay. So if we can use one of yours, we can call Aberford, and he can track it, and he can tell us where he is, and then we can go and. Get the bag back. Did, did you take the bag out of my bag or did you just give him my bag? I, I took it out of your bag and okay. he holds up your bag in his hand. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Guys, we- team. Yeah. Think, I think we need to rest up and call for a little bit of help again. Okay. Asla's always ready for a rest. <laughs> I think Lorraine just uh, takes it as small and just like slams it into a tree in frustration. Watch it. There's chipmunks that live in those. Fine. We'll wait. Um, does anyone want to call Aberford? I got it. Okay. And I, um, I dig through my bag and I pull out the Rocky Talkie. Uh-huh. And say, um, uh, Rogue Squadron to Aberford. Uh, you hear the Rocky Talkie crackle with static for a little bit. And then a voice says, Rogue Squadron. You're calling yourselves Rogue Squadron? I mean, I think it sounded pretty sweet. Over. Yeah. Where is everyone? Um, I leave town for like 
a week, maybe, and now everyone's gone. What's happening? Okay, are you done? You gotta say over when you're done. Over, over, over. <laughs> All right. So everyone has um, split up. There was a sweet party that apparently you didn't get an invite to. I'm really sorry that you missed it, but we need you to do some work. Over. All right. What? Where are you? Over. We're in a, 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 a foresty nook where we got our asses kicked. Um, but Blair was smart enough to put his... Uh, Blair's a dude, right? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a dude. Yeah, but, but Blair was smart enough to put his Rocky Talkie um, in the infinitesimitude of Bag of Holding. Um, so we need you to use the, um, the GPS, the geological <laughs> positioning systems in, uh, um, in it to track it so we can go and kick his, uh, lightning shooting ass over. All right. Well, that's easy enough. Uh, where in the, the general location of things are you? Like what town are you near? Guys, what town are we near? Um, I'm not good with directions. Blair, what town are we near? Uh, we're near Sh- Shackleford. Well, no. Green Valley. Green Valley's the the Blackburn Corporation town, and then we had to get through Sheep's Bladder to get. Yeah, we were heading towards there, so maybe we're next yeah. to Sheep's Bladder. I'm not going to respond, though, because he didn't say over. All right, all right. Uh, here, here's a bunch of overs for you. Over, 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 over. There. Is that, is that going to cover it? Is that enough for you? Fine. Let me grab a crystal ball. <laughs> and, over. Um, you hear some rummaging coming through this, the rocky talkie <laughs> um, and a bunch of muttering. You hear Everford being like, God, oh, these robes are going to be wet for a month. But everyone else gets to go to a party at Everford. Yeah, no, you just go to the seaside. <laughs> Guys, we got to uh, get him a cake or something when we get back. There is a clunk. And uh, you hear Abbeford muttering under his breath, except this time it sounds like some sort of incantation. Uh, and you hear him say, ah, well, that's a handsome looking fellow right there. We know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is, this, wait, 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 wait. This is the lightning dude. What? Yeah. That I, I, I'm assuming that he's looking at Van Gazorgian. So yeah, I'm going to say that must be him. I can't see. I'm on This is a radio. You guys fought Van Gazorgian? Did he say fought? I hope he said fought. <laughs> yes, we fought. Wait, 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 wait. So what was his fighting style? Uh, this, is, this is an ongoing bet. Is he a rogue? I bet he's a rogue. No, he's a bit of a douche nozzle. Over. That's not a class. What's a douche nozzle? Blair, what was going on? I don't know. He has a, a ghost sword, like you know, but he's also casting spells now. What? <laughs> right. Uh, settings. Okay, so he appears to be in an inn. Uh, judging from the number of sheep around, that looks like sheep barter. Was sheep barter just basically three buildings on the road? Well, it's about I mean, to be just two. Yes, sheep bother it is. All right. What's your plan? How are you going to get out of this one? Over. (laughs) Well, Aberford, you'll just have to read about it in the papes. No, seriously, though, um, I I think we're just going to stick to our classics of burn down the inn. Over. All right, well, go ahead. Piss off the magic man more. Cuckoo-cachoo! I like it. You guys good with that? What do you, what do you think? 
Abbotford, can you see how far away that is from our current location? Uh, well, let me ping you, uh, and you feel your rocky talkie uh, start to vibrate violently. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, you're about uh, an hour, hour and a half north. I can keep an eye on him. He doesn't have any protection. As long as he doesn't get to Lichfield. I mean, that anti-magic field runs all havoc with sort of scrying spells. I know we're tired, but should we head that way and then make a make camp slightly outside of town just so we're nearer to where he is? Uh, I'd recommend we rest where we are so we're not all, you know, running through the woods with being on death's door. Yeah. I agree with Blair. Aberford, can you like from there like occasionally call in um an order for room su- service to uh his room so like every like 3 hours or so he gets woken up um by with some annoying problem at his door? Yes, Jimmy. I shall use my fantastic cosmic powers <laughs> to prank call the leader of the chief rebellion against the Empire. I really hope you're not being sarcastic because it would really be beneficial to us if he is not well rested by the time we get there. Sarcastic? Me? <laughs> Look, Do mother- you know me at all, Jimmy? Yes, we speak the same language, and I hear it. Oh, are you done? You didn't say over. No, I'm not done. <laughs> <laughs> You'll know when I'm done. All over. Right, I'll keep tabs on him. I'll let you know if he r- removes himself from the inn. Thank you. Over and, the- and out. The Rocky Talkie clicks. He does not say over and out. <laughs> yes, but I did because I have proper rockataki eg- etiquette. That's the vodka. <laughs> uh, Blair looks at the three of you and says, "So, is that the game plan? We're we're gonna burn down the inn and grab the bag of holding out of the wreckage, or him out of the wreckage?" Well, I don't think he would actually. Um... You know, I think he'd survive a burning down of the inn. It's just like it's nice to make a callback every once in a while. Yeah. But no, I think we take this time to um, rest up, and while we rest up, we come up with a plan. We make sure that we have all of your spell slots in place. I remember to go into a barbarian rage immediately when I attack. <laughs> um. So, you know, we just, we, we, we plan and camp. That's my pitch. All right. All right. I think Asla's resting. Yeah. Asla has begun her long rest. Oh, good. So, yeah, um, the four of you make camp, um... And as the sun begins to set, you have had a short rest, and you can begin the march towards Sheep Barter, where Mikhail and the Bag of Holding are waiting for you. I do want to say, during the rest, uh, Locrian was sitting with the scythe and skull and the symbol of Falor, each like on one leg, just like staring and meditating on the two of them. Mm-hmm. Very good. Are we ready to go? Yeah. Okay. You guys are heading south on the road, and you arrive just as the sun sets in the town of Sheepsparter, and standing. Across the road from you is the inn. And that's where we'll end our session.
my Pelor. Well, we met God, and now the Knights of Barter are on their way to confront the very person who single-handedly introduced them. This'll go well. Hey, gang. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of Dungeons and Flagons. If you liked it, please be sure to rate and review and to tell all your friends. If you'd like to reach out, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter under Knights of Bart, or you can email us at knightsofbart at gmail.com. All original art by Jessica Libby and original music by Jonathan Rains. Thanks again, stay safe, and we'll see you next time. I hope.